Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. I say this a lot and I want to say it today and it's going to be, it's, it's sort of what I want to talk to you about, that a, a prophecy is a good thing, but an epitaph is, is much better. And uh, a prophecy will announce what you believe you can do. And, but an epitaph tells you, tells us what you've done. And um, joy to the world, the Lord is come, as Luke 2 um, declares to us, and the heavens were filled with angels and shepherds and sheep, babe was there, and everything was going on. Wonderful day. But I'll tell you, much more important was Matthew 27, where Jesus hung on the cross and breathed his, before breathing his last, he said, it is finished. I have done what I came to do. And I want to talk to you about um, this subject today, if we could. I've been to a lot of funerals. You know, I'm 60 now. I was 28 when I first preached in this fabulous church family. Um, our church, by the way, Pastor Tony, is 30. Next week, um, we celebrate our 30th anniversary. And I was not the pastor at the time, um, but we're having the founding pastor preach. I'm going to give, don't tell, don't tell people, but we're going to give everybody a gold watch who's been there more than 25 years. And um, we've done the calculations. It won't be expensive. <laughs> I'm ugly, but not stupid. <laughs> All right, so I think we've got one to give out. <laughs> a couple more than that, but we want to honour. I just, I love longevity. The Bible says, and I'm not preaching yet, the Bible says um, those that are planted in the house shall flourish, you know. I talked to some people, Pastor Alice, I talked to some people that, you know, didn't come to church last week because something else exciting was on. And um, I tell them that verse and they look back at me like, well, and I can't do that. They look like they look blessed, but you, there's another. The next line is the important one. It says into their old age. If you want to flourish into your old age, plant yourself somewhere, and that's it. That's your church. That's your marriage. You know, that's your, your career and your forward path. Um, but look, I've been to a lot of funerals, and if I gave you three guesses at the favourite verse said at a funeral. I think if I gave you three guesses, you'd probably all nail it. You know, normally um, this one gets, Psalm 23 is always a front runner. And um, I don't want to despise it, by the way. It's a phenomenal verse. You know, you've prepared a table in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow. Phenomenal passage of scripture to share, to comfort those that have gathered when someone's departed to the next life. But let me go to a different type of funeral. And you've got this old saint They've served the Lord their whole life, you know, and, uh, and so someone steps up to do the eulogy and they'll always quote this verse and um, it works best in an American accent, of course, as all good stories do and so they'll be talking about brother and brothers serve the Lord. I sounds Irish almost, but, <laughs> but brothers serve the Lord and he just, we will just want to honour him today and, and he's walking into the, gate, the pearly gates right now and brother Peter's there putting out his hand and he's saying to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into thy rest. Let's celebrate together. And um, look, if I have heard that, um, if I had a dollar for every single time I've heard that, I probably have $427 because that's how many old people's funerals I've got to go to now. And it's a front runner. But I wanted, I, it got me thinking that it's almost like it's a, it's a death verse. 
But I thought we should make it a life verse. I just sort of thought, well, okay, well, the people I've heard it said about, I think they were deserving of it, but I wonder if the rest of us have given some thought as to how could we get that um, said about us when we enter that. And I guess if we're going to that, get that as a commendation um, when we pass, we should live it as a conviction uh, before then. I said to Pastor Brian Houston, a friend of most of ours, um, I would think one time years ago, I said, Pastor Brian, what do you mean when you talk about vision? And he said, easy. I said, I knew it'd be easy for you, but tell the rest of us dumb clucks, will you please? And he, he looked me in the eye and he, he literally, we were having a conversation, just him and me. He said, Steve, it is easy. He said, just go to your deathbed. I said, do I have to? And uh, I said, are you a prophet? Will that be soon? <laughs> but he said, no, go to your deathbed. And he said, you're, you're about to pass into the next life. And he, he said, now, who's standing around the bed? Who's come to see and honour you? But more importantly, he said, what are they commending you for? He said, if you can work out who you want to be there and what they will be commending you for, live so it happens. And I thought, you are a genius. Now, you, you could probably build a good church if you put your mind to it. <laughs> but that's this here, this well done, good, faithful servant. Um, but what I want to do is have a look. We don't have time to, because each one of these, there's five things, five things said, well done, good, faithful servant. And I could preach all of them, but we haven't got time for that. So I want to just deal with perhaps the, the first one. It's sort of the first two, and you'll, you'll understand that in a minute. But it's well, that's a commitment to excellence. All right. Um, done, I'm going to commit to finish what I start. I think it was the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 4, 7, when he was dying. And um, interesting stuff, who's around his bed? And um, what are they saying to him? And what's he saying back? He said, I have run the race. I have finished the course, you know. Um, and so if we were to have a look at that, well done, commitment to finish, good, commitment to, to goodness. Um, I don't have the sort of face, Pastor Tony, where anyone ever says to me, you look like a Christian. I just, I mean, some of you just look phenomenally angelic. I've not been blessed with that. So I've got to, I've got to mount that with action, you know. I've got to shout the guy. I remember doing this one time. I was in Bendigo in Victoria. I was in a shop and I was deciding what I'm going to have to lunch with a friend of mine, Shane Baxter. You, you may know him. And we're deciding what we're going to have. And this guy's sort of on the counter beside us, you know, doing this. And... Uh, like, uh, I can take a hint, mate. Uh, what do you want? And he's holding a can of Coke. I said, is that all you're getting? He said, uh, yeah. Like, yeah, because I'm deciding whether I want beetroot or my hamburger. You know, do I want my coleslaw sort of flipped or, you know, how do I want it? And he's, so I said, is that all you're having? He said, yeah. I said, well, take it. I'll pay for it. And it totally changed. I've gone from enemy to his best friend. He said, you can't do that. I said, I believe I just did. He said, mate, who buys someone's Coke? I said, me. And he's going on and on till eventually I say, mate, it's $3. He's like, you know, I haven't bought you a new house or even a hubcap. I said, it's three bucks, mate. You're starting to annoy me, would you leave? <laughs> so I don't have the face for it, so I've got to do it with action. Come on, come on, we're Christians. 
you know. You ever heard the term Christian leader? Yeah, the first word's Christian. Try that one first. Good. God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and he went about doing? Yeah, come on, give it a try. Start with a smile. Next time you're at lunch, just ask the waiter his name and call him that the whole way through. Service will go up 15% and he'll talk about you for the rest of the day, particularly if you leave a tip. Faithful. Hey, that word faithful, by the way, is a Greek word. I've got to spell it, P-I-S-T-O-S. Now that I've spelt it, I can say it, pistos. All right, always spell it before you say it. All right, pistos. And, but here's what it means. This is important because you hear this spoken at a funeral, but if you want to hear it spoken at your funeral as a commendation, you might have, when are we going to study it so it can become a conviction? Or are we just going to wing it? No, I, oh, wow, that is a commitment to excellence. That is a commitment to finishing what I start. That is a commitment to goodness. That is a commitment to faithfulness. Well, why is he faithful? He's faithful because he was given five and he made another five and now he's got 10. You hear me? See, we think loyal is faithful. Yeah, good old Bob, eh? He's the same today as he was 25 years ago. So's my bath mat. Eh? But when he's called faithful, it's because he got it here and he gave it back there. Servant, Greek word, doulos, um, surrendering my will for the good of someone else. So when I walk through the heaven's gates and I wanna hear that commendation, well, done, good, faithful, servant, You've just described a disciple of Jesus Christ there, friend. Now, again, not got time for all five, so I want to talk to you about just one of them, if I could, sort of one, well, one and a half. I want to talk, I feel Holy Spirit just wants me to talk to you about done. Let me introduce a man to you. His name is John Stephen Aquari. I'll show you a photo of him in a moment. All right, take his photo off. I'll show you a photo of him in a moment. <laughs> I love being in charge. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> Listen, I got seven sisters and became a traveling preacher to get out of town to talk without them telling me what to do. <laughs> you get me? So I don't know where the techo is coming from, but Kimmy, look at me. <laughs> so let me say it clearly. I'm gonna show you a picture soon. John Stephen Aquari was born into a farming family in the nation of Tanzania didn't have a lot of buses, so he had to run places. <laughs> so he found his calling in life as a marathon runner. And uh, he got pretty good at it. And so he was entered in for his country into the 1968 Mexico Olympics, which is the Olympics before the really fun Olympics in um, uh, Munich. Some of us older people will remember uh, a lot of fun, that one. John Stephen Aquari was in the last event of the Olympics. It's called the marathon. And um, so all the other events are gone. It's the last event. And uh, there are 75 runners have entered the event. 18 pull out and don't complete. So nearly 20% of them pull out and don't finish. The fellow who eventually wins was beaten by John Stephen Aquari um, earlier in a marathon. So he knows he's got the competition's measure. 
But about halfway through the event, or not quite halfway through the event, he trips and stumbles. And reports say he dislocated his knee. And um, he is bandaged up on the side of the He's bunged up his shoulder. He's in a great deal of pain. So by half distance, he's totally aware that he can't figure for a medal, let alone winning. But he says this in here, and he says later in a report, I never thought of stopping once. He said, my dad raised me to finish what I start. And so he hobbled, he walked some, he jogged where he could, and he entered the stadium. If you understand the marathon at the Olympics, it always finishes with one lap of the stadium. So he entered the stadium, and as they lasted, the medals have been awarded. So the medal ceremony, the winners have been declared. The ceremony is complete. There's people putting text up in boxes. It's time to go home, and it's dark, and John Stephen Aquari enters, hobbles into the stadium. And there's only a couple of thousand people left, mostly support staff, packing stuff up. And, um, but they, they see this man, and, um, and so they all come down to the bed. They start to clap and applaud. And so he, he arrives at the finish line. He falls over the finish line, um, kisses the ground, as a lot of athletes do, and then is attended to by medical staff. And then the reporters want to have a go at him to find out, what are you, nuts? Why have you bothered to finish? You know, I mean, everyone's gone home, mate. And, uh, and then here's the first part. This is what he said to the reporters. My country did not send me 5,000 miles to start this race. Put the next one up. They sent me 5,000 miles. Forgive, we didn't have digital back in this day, by the way, folks. So I drew that myself with an etch sketch. <laughs> Pretty good, eh? They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. Now, now, now listen to me, listen to me. Could John Stephen Aquari, in his wildest dreams have ever thought that hundreds of people would gather in Adelaide, Australia more than 50 years after that event and be inspired by what they call the most famous last place in Olympic history. Finish what you start. You have no idea who you're influencing. You have heaven's eyes on you. You have hell's eyes on you. You have unseen eyes on you. People you do and you do not know that are watching for it and God himself. Is it 2 Chronicles 16? No, I'm way off notes here, Pastor Tony. 2 Chronicles 16, you're looking for your Bible. No, I stole it, I got it up here. I thought, you know, Pastor Tony's godly. I'm holding that for confidence. Um, some of you have turned, 2 Chronicles 16, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout all the earth, looking. I feel God so, I just feel a challenge in my heart. You know, well done, done. Finished. Now, here's the interesting part about this well done. That we said there's five words. Uh, well done, good, faithful servant. But well done is not separated if you look in a Greek lexicon. That, that's interesting. All right, so um, servant is the word doulos. Faithful is the word pistos, P-I-S-T-O-S. But well done is a word on its own. And it's, it's a good study separately for us in English, but in the Greek, it couldn't be separated. And so when, when it's, it's, so it's not just done, it's well done. You good? And uh, have you ever, ever gone to get a latte? 
Now, I don't, well, think about what you get. What, what's it called? Is it a macchiati? What is it? E-O-U. I'm old. Macchiato? Yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those little things. Pay for the whole thing, I say. But I get a latte, and I know that you're gonna, some of you are going to be down on this, but I have two sugars. I was ripped into by a guy one time for having two sugars in my coffee. I'm telling you the absolute truth. He was a bigot if I ever saw one. He said, you shouldn't be having sugar in your coffee, mate. That's no good for you. And he took another bite of his pavlova. <laughs> you know, so, okay, so we've got some cooks in the building. <laughs> you know, I said, aren't you wonderfully ignorant, you imbecile? And uh, I didn't say it, I'm a Christian, but I just smiled at him because I was trying to be good. I said, look, if you don't know how to make a pavlova, start with a bag of sugar, <laughs> all right, and then add a bag of sugar. <laughs> and knock yourself out. So, but anyway, so I, I say to them, when you go down to whatever it is, your, your coffee club, you'd think with coffee in the name, it'd be good. But uh, so you say, hey, look, two sugar, and they put it in. And then you drink it, and it's like they didn't do it till you get to the last mouthful, am I right? And the last mouthful is like golden syrup. And it's like, you wrecked my whole coffee. So you see, what you gotta get it. It was done, just wasn't well done wasn't done to the standard of the commendation of the master. By the way, when Jesus tells his story in Matthew 25, um, he is describing the kingdom of God. He said, the kingdom of God is like unto, and a master distributing um, to different servants uh, according to their capacities. Those servants then went off and they traded, they increased what they had started with. One was five, one was two, one was one. It's not a socialist environment. He, he, he treats us individually. And so when the one came back with five, I had five, now I've got 10, he said, and he's describing kingdom living. He says, well done, good, faithful servant. But well done can't be separated. The Greek word, it's spelt E-U, all right? Um, just EU, that's if you look in a Greek lexicon. But what you'll also be given in a Greek lexicon, which I think is interesting, is the pronunciation. That's the biggie, because this is how you say it. Yo. Hey? So when I drink the latte, I say two sugar, all right? And I drink it. You know, if you're gonna make it, mate, if you're gonna, if you're gonna do it, if you're gonna finish it, finish it well. Do you ever have bacon and eggs? I like bacon and eggs, it's fantastic. Uh, the chicken likes it, the pig's not so keen. But uh, <laughs> for the chicken, it's an offering. For the pig, it's a total sacrifice. <laughs> Which reminds me of my wife and her cooking. Um, makes lots of sacrifices for me. I get three burnt offerings a day. But uh, isn't he brave when she's not here? Uh, but but uh, do you ever do bacon and eggs? Now, I'm a bit pedantic. Um, I'm one of 12 children, so I never even saw meat till I got married. And so I'm, I'm pedantic now. If I'm paying for it, I want it good. So I notice when you have a steak, you can have it rare, medium rare, uh, you know, uh, medium, medium well, well. You know, there's a whole category of things. But with bacon, it's just like bacon or crispy bacon. So it's either warm ham or crispy. Well, I let them know. I said, listen, I said, go up to crispy. Now dial it back to eight. That's how I want it. And, uh, and then with the eggs, I just, I don't wanna make you sick, but when I, I have fried eggs, but when you see the, what, the membrane, the white, if it's not cooked properly, 
am I got friends or is it just me? I mean, I just see chicken embryonic fluid. I just like, <laughs> Pastor Tony, I'm telling the truth when I say this. I've always been like this. When our first daughter was born, because you know, out she comes and I'm there. Doctor says, you wanna come down here and have a look? No, 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 I do not. I don't even, I wanna be back in the 40s when I'm not even allowed to be here. That's me, all right? And so, but then, so then the baby's born and then they wanna give it to you. Who wears the men? Did they do that to you? They wanna hand it to you. They said, would you like a cuddle? I said, would you like to wash it? So it's not just eggs. I mean, I'm with it with lots of stuff. And th then the, the doctor tries to give me the rationale for why he's trying to give me this slimy bar of soap. He says, because they're not attractive, let's be honest. And uh, so then he says, well, we like to let the, the dad hold it first before it leaves the room so he knows we bring the right one back. I said, I don't care which one you bring back. <laughs> if you wash it, I'll take it home. It's all good. So it's not just eggs, but get back to it. So I want my eggs, you know, so I, I sort of say, look, I like the yellow runny, but I like the white cooked. If there's a term for it, I, I know it's, the Americans say easy over, but I don't like it over. I like it, you know, put a saucepan lid over it. Just steam that white bit. But don't give the chef advice, that never goes well. And then they bring it out. Tell me if this has happened to you. You've got fried eggs, right? And it looks like one of them's under the other. And you think, he's hiding something. <laughs> yeah, he needs more practice because he smashed one. So I've got one fried egg and one just <laughs> That's not well done, that's just done. The commendation in scripture is for well done. Yo, I want those eggs to hit and I wanna go, Yo! And so that waitress or waiter goes back to the kitchen and says, the chef says, what did, what did the customer think? I don't know, they just went, yo! It's biblical. So I wanna have, now that you know how done is described, Holy Spirit, prod us for how we are presenting you. Are we just saying, well, I did it. Or are we doing it like the commendation suggests? So here's some things that can happen if you will do it like Scripture says. Here's the first thing, if you like. Um, it is when you do it well, it'll bring you to a new level of confidence. I've got, I, want to trans, I want to go to a story now and we'll stay there um, for the few minutes that we have left. And, um, and then I want to ask you if you'd like to give your heart to Jesus. I'm not sure where you feel about that, but I'll ask you. Um, where's Pastor Alice? I, I'll just get, I won't, I won't people get them to stand up. Is that all right? Just maybe show me your hand. If you're watching online, there'll be instruction on the screen where you can respond to Jesus. Uh, but the story of David and Goliath, I don't want to suggest you've all read it. So I'll, I'll just, I'll tell it a little. David's at home with his dad. Um, Jesse, his three older brothers, um, I think it's Eliab, Abinadab and Shammah, they're in the Israeli army, all right? And so they're down doing their military service. Israel is currently at war with a nation called Philistia. So the army are called the Philistines. 
And so David's dad, Jesse, says, David, go down and see your brothers and um, take them some you know, notes from home, some food, some cheesecake and, or whatever and give this to their commanding officer and maybe they'll get a soft bed. So David leaves his sheep with another shepherd because David's a finisher and he finishes well. He doesn't just leave them in the field. He, he engages another shepherd to watch over them. Interestingly, if you read 1 Samuel 17, when he arrives, he leaves all of the things with someone who can look after him. He doesn't just leave them on a bench so that the crows, the magpies, or other soldiers can have them. David is a diligent. So David turns up, and as he said, uh, the Philistine army are engaging Israel, not in combat yet, but in verbal jousting. You know, so they're close enough um, to be able to do this. So there's this nine-foot guy in the Philistine army. Uh, what's his name? Goliath, isn't it? And he comes out, and he's fee, fi, fo, fum, something like that anyway. And, and uh, now it says that he's got, he's got armour on that weighs 56 kilograms. Um, I don't know what that is in pounds, Siri, but uh, it's like three bags of cement. He's a big lad. And he just says, just give me one person to fight. And if I beat them, then you win. And if I, I beat him, we win. So David listens for this and then he decides, he says, I think I could fight this guy. I could fight this guy. I could take him out. I could finish. And what David says is told to the king and the king's name is Saul. Good read, 1 Samuel 17. So this is where we pick it up because Saul has just said to David, you can't go fight that guy. He's nine feet tall. You're just a boy. He's been a fighter since he was a boy and now he's man-sized. And this is David's answer. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. Now you determine whether David finishes the job when I read the next sentence. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. Finished? The guy's a finisher. He says, and I just shoo it away. Go away. And it's back to each sheep the next day. No, he doesn't do that. He finishes it. So this is what finishing will do for you. Finishing will bring you to a whole new level of confidence. So David is standing in front of the king. The king's saying, you can't do this. And David says, I know I can do this. I have, if, if you'll allow me, he says, I have confidence I can do this. And if we're gonna paraphrase, the king says, well, how? He says, because I did it to a lion and my confidence grew. So then I did it to a bear and my confidence grew. Now I'll do it to this Philistine as well. Now, if you wanna continue to read through the book of Samuel, Goliath wasn't the last one as David's confidence grows up to conquering a kingdom and a mad king. Every single time you finish something that is on your plate, and I'm talking to Christian people here, both online and in this room, God has put things on your plate. Listen, we're in October, November. This is a great time to stop things that you felt convicted about in February. And the Holy Spirit saying, finish it. And, and what, what happens is 
confidence grows. The next thing I wanna suggest that will happen to you when you finish is that trust is built in others around you. Let me say it differently. When you finish something, you become confident in you. But when you finish something, now others become confident in you. So it builds trust in others concerning your mission. And I'm telling you, God wants to grow your influence more than you could ever think. 1 Samuel 13, 37, this is what Saul said after David says, I killed the lion, I killed the bear, and I will kill the Philistine. So David's saying, I'm confident. Saul started the conversation by saying, you can't do it. Now he's saying, um, put up the next verse here, uh, Saul finally consented. So now David's won Saul over to this. Listen, friend, God is putting responsibilities on you. God has given you dreams and missions and he needs you to be confident by completing it. But um, to get the job done even greater, you will build trust in other people. I'll give you a simple illustration. In 2011, we had devastating floods in our country, particularly in my state of Queensland. Now lean into this, I want you to hear this. A lady from your church was asked to lead a disaster management group for our group of churches. So Pastor Ashley allowed her to be, is it seconded I think is the word, for a period of time. Now, in our group of churches, and if you're listening online, our group of churches, the Australian Christian churches, um, put the word out. We said, we've got a lot of our church families in trouble and um, we need to help them. This floods have been devastating. So we all together raised about a million dollars very quickly. And praise God for that. The woman from your church put a team together. They assessed what needed to be done. They expediated what needed to be done. So within just a few months, we had raised money, assessed what needed to happen, um, applied the monies where it was needed, and the money was gone, well done. And then we got a phone call. Now, I'm on the State Executive of Queensland at this time, the Vice President of Queensland, so I'm right in the room with this. We get a call from another charity. I cannot tell you, well, I won't tell you their name, but if I did, you'd know them. Much, much more influence in the nation than us. We're like just a little boy David saying, we can do it. But they watch our confidence. And because of our confidence, they said this to us, we've watched the way you guys have seen the need, raised the cash, assessed what had to be done, and you did it, you finished it. And then they hand it over, and I can't tell you the amount, millions of dollars, well, I'll tell you this much, we built 73 houses with their money. Now, I don't know how much you need to build that. So, now, by the way, that lady came from you. She, you didn't even know it. She wasn't doing it so you could all see it, but she finished well. And confidence had grown in her. And, so, and then trust from other people had come um, because of it. That's what finishing does. One last thing, and we've got to, we've got to move a little quicker. And that finishing opens the door to what's next. Have you ever had a time in your life where you felt like, I'm not saying, I don't know how this works for you, but it just seems like your mission train 
stops or stalls. It's like it's not going as fast, or God stops talking or, you know, it's just things aren't happening like, and you've worked out it's not the devil. You've worked out it's not God. Well, I've, this is what I've learned to do. I've learned to take some time aside and say, God, what, what, what's going on here? And on more than one occasion, I've heard this little whisper. Have you did what I told you to do last time? You see, when you jump the high jump, they put it up. If you don't jump it, they leave it there. And I know there are people here, God, when? He told you to apologise. Have you done that? You've making excuses for why you won't repay the debt, but have you been to the person and made an arrangement? Finish well. I'm not saying that to get on your case. I'm saying that because you feel there's other levels for you. Well, so does God. Can I be personal? And because I'm embarrassed, because I do have much newer stories like this, but I'm gonna protect myself by going back some years. I'm the senior pastor of a church, have been for about a decade. And I went into my shed one day in the backyard and I saw a sledgehammer. It's a 28 pound sledgehammer and it's got welded on the big head, um, the, the letters E-D-I. My initials are S-J-K. And it's like Holy Spirit illuminated them and helped me know, long story short, uh, that's not yours. And we started a conversation. Yeah, yeah, but the place where I got it from is closed down. Holy Spirit said, you don't know that. I said, well, I was an apprentice when I borrowed that. He said, yeah, but, yeah, but you haven't taken it back, mate. And I'm thinking like, this is embarrassing. And I'm, but, I, but I'm in the midst of, I'm a young Christian leader talking to God about all I wanna do, but it's not happening. And he said, well, I've actually talked to you about what you need to do here, mate. See, you don't think it's important, but he does. I, I don't know if you know Wayne Bennett. Wayne Bennett's called the super coach. Uh, I think he's got eight grand finals in the NRL. So don't worry about the code, that's a super coach. So young guys go to him, they wanna play for Wayne Bennett. And so he gives them drills. It's called, is it called suicide runs where they have a line there and a line there and they gotta go and touch the ground and touch the ground. You see, they think he's watching them do conversions, but he's watching them pull up an inch short on the suicide runs. And, and he's saying, can't trust them. They won't finish. He wants them to kick conversions at State of Origins. But if he can't trust them here, he can't use them there. So I just think it's a sledgehammer. You see, I'm thinking about preaching on stages like paradise. He's thinking about, are you gonna be honest? Are you gonna be honest? I've got newer stories, I'm just too embarrassed to tell them. So I've gone back a few years. But the day I put that big sledgy in my car and drove to that old, it's now an office block where our company now just has offices. I remember dragging it in because I'm not a boilermaker anymore, so I can't lift it. So I drag it in and I put it in front of the reception desk and the girl goes, you right? I said, yeah, this is yours. She said, mine? I said, oh, I borrowed it. She said, oh, when? I said, about 12 years ago. <laughs> she said, she's looking, you've had, some of you've had, she's looking at me like I'm an idiot. 
but I'm not looking for her approval. I don't believe she'll be standing at the pearly gates saying, well done, good faithful servant. It's the eyes of the Lord that run to and fro. Look, I'm not reading your diary and yet I think I am reading some of your diaries because you're feeling uncomfortable. It's not me. Holy Spirit has a vista you couldn't imagine. He just needs you to finish. Look, the greatest finish of all. Where's, where's the team? Where's the good looking people? Get, where's the good looking people? Here they come. I don't know what they do out there. I just think there's a table of Red Bull out there and maybe some other stuff. Look, if you're watching online, you've got to get down here just to see what they do out the back. You've got to get down here. But, uh, look, the greatest finish of all was the bloke that just 24 hours before that didn't think he could finish. He was in a garden called Gethsemane, begging his father for a different way. He wasn't looking for the opinions of other people though, because everyone else told him, don't bother doing it, don't do it, don't do it. But an inner voice said, I need to talk to the person that gave me the mission. So he talked to his father and said, Father God, please, if there's another way, take this away from me. Take this cup away, Matthew 26. But then he sensed God, just like you'll sense God when you need to go and apologise or forgive or, or me with a sledgehammer. And he said, but not my will, yours be done. And within 24 hours, he stood in Pilate's court. He's had his beard ripped from his face. He's had a crown of thorns jammed on his head. Do you know, Pastor Tony, they say he fulfilled 400 prophecies on that day alone, ticking them off so he could finish well. Right, here comes the crowns, tick. Here comes the beating, tick. And I'm not being stupid about it, but, but he understood the power of finishing, you know. Would John Aquari have ever imagined that some 53 years later, I'm talking to hundreds of people about his inspiring work because he finished well. And yet 2000 years ago, when Jesus hung on a cross and said, it is finished. The 2000 years later, I'd be talking to untold and preachers all over this world because a man, a God man finished well. I wanna tell you, there is a cloud of witnesses. There is a cloud of witnesses and God wants to set you on course, um, show you a whole new horizon, amen. I can't tell you what He's talking to you about, but take it up with Him and say, God, I'm prepared to finish. You may be in a marriage you're thinking of cutting out on, but maybe God's saying, why don't you stay and finish? You may be in a job and you're praying, God, I wanna work with Christians. He said, nah. Nah, I need you working with these people. Maybe you're in a university course and it's November. And you say, nah, God said, I need you to finish. But I don't like working for Subway. It won't be long. It won't be long. You'll get what you deserve. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met. I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, he loved you and He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. 
So he sent his son Jesus to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, he said, I will take their place. So he died and rose again so that his death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past and his life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.